Welcome to the Coffee, Cameras, and Content podcast. Podcast that is all about cameras, technology, the influencer economy, content creation, and so much more. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the DJI Mic 2. What is 32-bit float? And should you trust influencers? And this is coming out in a timely fashion because the DJI Mic 2 was just launched separate from the pocket. And that's with the receivers and the transmitters and the charging case and the full pack, which was uh, highly anticipated because the DJI Mic 1 was such a big hit um, and kind of set a precedence within that receiver transmitter arena for content creators because Rode obviously had the Rode Go 2, Rode Go Me, and then they just released the Rode Wireless Pro, which, you know, the big thing about that was 32-bit float, and we'll get to 32-bit float, but it's um, something pretty big and highly anticipated as it should be just because of the 32-bit float upgrade. We also need to talk about influencers and whether or not you can trust them, but it's something that we're going to get to today, specifically because of this launch on the mic and everyone is dropping reviews and some of the comments that are kind of coming out. But the mic has a redesign. It's smaller with a better battery and the receiver has a jog wheel on it. Um, and when I say smaller, the receiver that goes on the camera is a little bit longer, but it's a little bit condensed down. So it's not as, I guess, wide is the best way to put it. First impressions coming from all the reviews. One of the major features being touted is the active noise canceling. I myself have watched all the reviews. I put on my earphones to listen to exactly what we're what we're working with with the active noise canceling. And it's, you know, pretty much if you don't know what active noise canceling is, it's AI, but really it's the machine going through an EQ and isolating the frequencies that are causing a disruption within the voice. And when it does that, and it's not manually being controlled, it can cut out certain frequencies within the voice itself and creates a more robotic sound. And I'm not really a big fan of active noise canceling on mics. And that's due to that while, while it's done, when you record, you can lose crucial pieces of the audio, and then you can't tweak that in post. I always think that the best way to take away all the active noise within a scene is definitely going to be post-processing with noise reduction as opposed to having it baked in because once you do this, it's baked in like a standard color profile and it can't be flexed in post and you can't make the conscious decision to leave some frequencies in and take some frequencies out because it's already done that for you and recorded it like that. And I always think it's much better to take that raw recording and work with it. Or I find that the noise canceling software on the back end usually tends to be better than live active noise canceling. But, you know, that might just be an opinion. I think it, it tends to sound less robotic when it comes out on the back end as opposed to the front end. Other views so far, once you kick on the active noise canceling, it, it sounds heavily robotic. And there's there's no denying it. The moment you pop it in and you have your earphones in, um, I don't know how you guys watch video, but if I'm watching something on my phone, I generally tend to prefer having my, my AirPod Pros in. And uh, that way I can kind of hear everything and the quality of the audio. So though it's a nice feature, I feel like they only did it to combat the Hollyland Lark 
microphones because one of the things that the Larks had over DJI was the active noise canceling. And it doesn't really feel like, you know, they spent a lot of time really refining it because anytime DJI really does something, in my personal opinion, it's it's usually done very well, very easy, very user-friendly, very user-centric, and really enhances everything. Whereas this kind of feels like they did it because they had to do it as opposed to the 32-bit float, which like, yes, that had to be in there to combat the Rode Wireless Pros. 32-bit somehow has become all the rage, uh, which yet again, we're going to get to later on within this podcast. But, you know, having a look at the product itself, the case is beautiful. I mean, premium, uh, in this case, locks. So if you had the original Um, You're familiar with if it gets tossed around a little bit, the case will pop open and things will fly everywhere. That's not the case, uh, no pun intended, with this because the case actually locks. One of the things that I saw on the Rode Wireless Pros that made me want to grab it was once you put the receivers and, or excuse me, the receiver and the transmitters in the case and you hook that in through USB-C to your computer... Directly from that, you'd be able to pull the backup recordings off of the units themselves. It's not the case with the DJI case. Uh, You have to do the transmitters one by one, which, you know, it's not bad, but it does slow down the workflow. So if there was some way to transmit the data that they could do in a firmware update, which it's DJI, so they very well might do that, I think that would make it far more desirable because that way it's just everything's hooked away. It's charging, pop in a USB-C cable. We see that the transmitters are um, clearly marked and then I can just pop it right off there as opposed to taking them out individually. Yet again, it's six to one, half a dozen the other. But for me, those little those little pieces of the process make things like far quicker and it's all within the tiny minute details that speed up the workflow. Um, The receivers now received a jog wheel, so it makes on-the-fly gain adjustment incredibly easy, which is like you can click in and then choose one of them and then quickly adjust the gain volume. And then the same thing can be done quickly with the receiver, so you can pick the receiver or the transmitter and then adjust as needed. And if you do run and gun like me, you know that... The quicker you can do something on the fly, the less time you have to spend adjusting it and the better the experience you can give to your client. Because when I'm out doing run and gun shooting, every time I have to take the camera off a gimbal and rebalance it and put it on a tripod or go handheld or or mount it somewhere or do something, clients can be like, ah, can we hurry this up? But you know, yet again, those little quality of life updates are the most important thing because you can you can trust them and it integrates into your workflow, making things more seamless and easy. And I think that's the case with the jog wheel. Now, the wind muffs or dead cats, whatever you want to call it, because there's always multiple names for for something. They lock into the mic jack, which is nice, but also kind of makes me afraid for the longevity of the product. If I happen to accidentally tweak that dead cat while it's in and all of a sudden that piece of plastic gets broken off into that that mic jack uh that that's not going to be good and i'm going to have to order a a new transmitter um and that's something that kind of kind of scares me however i think 
it is incredibly good for how locked in it is because you know it's not going to go anywhere and that it's actually covering the mic. And uh, those things have worked very well from what I've heard uh, when I popped on the headphones, took a listen. One of the big things, though, is that there is no locking TSR jack input, um, which that sucks. If you've ever worked with talent and you put a lav mic on them, uh, you know very well that they might do something where it yanks the cable out. They did put a hook in the clip on the back that they say like, oh, you run the cable through here and when it clamps down, it holds it steady. Seems like kind of a lazy way to do it and address it, but I'm assuming they had to cut costs in order to compete with the Rode Wireless Pro, which is, you know, selling it $400. And then they, they kept a 350 price point, just like the original, which is absolutely incredible. But, you know, to me, I, I kind of feel like that that locking mic jack would have like sealed the deal to be like, oh, yes, this thing is 100 percent foolproof and I'm, I'm definitely going to do it. Um, and I am specifically avoiding the conversation on 32 bit float because that's a convo in itself that we're going to get to uh, why it's important, who it's for, where it should be used and it, if it's really as big of a deal as people make it out to out to be. Um, also, by the way, if you like this podcast and you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Every little bit counts. The more you like, the more more subscribers I have, the more the algorithm kicks it out to other people that might be interested in this. And that's really what this podcast is about, is formulating a, a culture, right? Because when it comes to all these things, a lot of people will do like gear reviews, and I do gear reviews too, but we also want to have like honest and open conversations for those that are interested in it because it's very easy to get caught up in the hype around new products and then feel the need to buy them immediately and you know that's not that's not really the case you can do beautiful filmmaking without the latest piece of gear if you're on YouTube like subscribe if you're on Spotify or Apple Apple Music or Apple Podcast go ahead and subscribe or follow there Next up, there's some serious quality of life updates on this thing that are that are pretty important. Anything that gives me better like quote unquote quality of life update is always very well welcomed because of the fact that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when you have a workflow, if you can cut down two, three, four, or five seconds within that workflow and it's repeated over and over again, that compounds to a better experience for you and a better experience for the client. So I think quality of life updates are always the most important. And and one of the things is that the receiver goes into a hot or cold shoe mount um, with a cold shoe adapter. On the old one, it was integrated within the thing that you pop off in order to put on like a USB-C or a lightning adapter. And it had the tendency to break. So there were people that were buying aftermarket ones that were better suited for the job. The cold shoe on this is actually built into the into the body and it's metal. So it's not going to break, which is very, very much welcome. The one thing I would have liked to see on this is a way to tighten and fasten it on because all the reviews I've seen and no one's mentioned it, um, but they all pop it into the actual hot shoe on the camera. Sometimes that thing needs to be used for other things. Uh, me personally, I have my own uses for it. And if I can get away with only mounting it onto the cold shoe case and have a tightening spricket or bracket or something on there, then that would be most ideal. 
I don't know whether or not this thing's going to lock in tight to, let's say, a small rig cage or any kind of mounting accessory. And that's kind of yet to be seen when I get my hands on it. No one's talked about it. Um, but it is nice that we have that quality of life update where the cold shoe mount is actually fastened onto the body and not going to break, giving a better user experience because having unreliable gear sucks. And uh, that is a massive bonus. If you've ever worked with like unreliable gear, if you've had anything break on a shoot, it is not fun. It's not something that you can really have an open conversation with the client about because all of a sudden they're going to wonder why you have like cheap gear and why you're using it on their shoot and why they're not getting the premium package, quote unquote. But one of the things that I thought was very useful is you actually have a two-sided magnet. So if you go into this knowing that you are going to use the active backup track on a shoot and there are two people talking, you can flip the magnet to be one side for one of them and one side for the other. So in a way, it's an on-the-fly marking that you know this recorder was used for this individual. So when you go to offload the data, you know how to label it before going in and listening to the tracks. And yet again, it's a quality of life update. You can obviously do things like use colored tape to mark it. If you've ever worked on set, we literally use colored tape to mark everything, specific SD cards with specific data. We color code it. And the same can be done with the old version, but because this is built into it on the magnet, and by the way, apparently that magnet is incredibly strong, which is a beautiful update and well-welcomed because the last thing you want to do is clip a mic onto talent with the magnet and then have it fall off. It's very well-received and very thoughtful from the manufacturers. It it shows that they really put a lot of thought into their consumer base and try to make things as easy as possible. Now, yet again, I've, I've been holding off on buying a lav mic and receiver setup on this level, which is like, we'll call this a cheaper level, um, as opposed to something like a Sennheiser system, which obviously is like very pro, but you know, with, with a lot of the content, quote unquote, being made, if I'm not doing a full-blown professional shoot, I can pick this thing up, clip it onto a real estate agent, use a lav mic to wire it up, and um, it's it's good enough for socials, right? And that's like really what we're looking for. But I was really, really thinking about pulling the trigger on the Rode Wireless Pros because when they released it, it has this feature where the TR, TSR cable like goes into the receiver and it sits on top of the camera and hooks in. However, when you turn off the camera, the road receiver would turn off too. It would detect that the camera just got turned off and it'll turn itself off. And they added this to the DJI mic too, which is yet again, very well welcomed uh, because that's one less step you have to do when you're out and about shooting. All of a sudden you flip off the camera, you put it on a holder like I have the PGY Tech uh, Beetle Clamp on my backpack. If I'm out and about doing run and gun, I can literally turn the camera off, shove it on there, and not have to go through with turning off the receiver. And though it sounds like something very small, it's something that is very much needed and helps increase workflow and makes life a lot easier because you're not thinking about it because it just shuts off and you're not going to die down that battery at an accelerated rate. 
And the beautiful part about that is, say you take it right off, you need to get back to it, you flip the camera on, it's going to flip that receiver on as well. So it's like automatic on and off, which is absolutely beautiful. Next up is the record stop lock right next to Talon accidentally pulling out the lav mic is Talon accidentally bumping into something or touching it and stopping the recording and you losing it and not being aware that it was lost and having to go do a reshoot from the receiver. You can set a record stop lock. So you start recording it. You get back over to your camera. You kick this feature on. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter what it bumps into, doesn't matter what a person presses, they can't stop the internal recording. That is very well thought out and beautiful. And, you know, it's amazing. I, I love that idea. To add even more into this, yet again, DJI really put a lot of thought into this. They have recommended camera settings specifically for different makes and models. And this has to be either a passionate employee there or a very well thought out consumer plan because the receiver will adjust settings based upon what camera you tell it is. And either they sat in a lab and tested all these different models and found out the best settings, or they spoke to the manufacturers and got the specifications of the preamps located within the camera itself. And now, directly from the manufacturer, they have the settings like built in right there. And no matter how you look at it, I think it shows determination, it shows persistence, and a major thank you to their consumers, meaning that they know who their consumers are, they know what they're doing with the product, and they're showing that they have their consumers back, which is, you know, I wouldn't expect anything less from DJI. I mean, from their Cinema Line stuff, the DJ Inspire 3, the Mavic 3 Pro, the Mavic 3 um, Pro Cine, um, all the way down to the DJI Pocket 3, and then, you know, the, the Ronin 4D, all the stuff in their professional lineup, super easy to use, super well thought out, love every single piece of it. And then on the consumer end, I tried going to different drone manufacturers a long time ago, back when Skydio was a thing on the consumer end before they switched to strictly only focusing on government stuff. It sucked in comparison. And then you have Autel. Um, I think I tried the Autel Evo 2. And in comparison to the Mavic, it just it didn't stack up. It was great that it had an 8K sensor, but the way it would hover, the way it would fly, the flight algorithms just weren't there. And then on top of that, the phone gimbals, right? Like starting out from phone gimbals, the DJI Osmo Mobile, like that thing was very well done. The only real competitor they had in that field was the Zhiyun Smooth, right? And like by the time the Q3 came out, DJI was just smoking them in like every single aspect. Uh, as someone that's used the, the Zhiyun Smooth and, and the DJI Osmo Mobile, I um, think the DJI O. 0304 was like when I went on team DJI because I tried it and I was just like blown away um, at how well thought out the design was. So I don't expect anything less from DJI. Uh, their manufacturing is like bar none. The way they think their products out is absolutely beautiful. And, and they do a lot of things that just makes life easier. And anything that makes life easier is very welcomed within the field of production because 
if you've ever been on set, if you've ever done like full-blown production, you know that things can get stressful very quickly. And the tiniest little thing that jams up can jam up the whole workflow. The last thing you want to be is on a set with producer or something like that, or even like just working for talent and then have something like wig out and you're like, oh, I got to turn it off and on and off and on. Give me one minute. All of a sudden they're just kind of sitting there like watching you while you try to do your thing. And if, if anything can relieve that anxiety or like helps to relieve that anxiety, spot on. And uh, DJI yet again, I think always thinks that through. They have angled TRS cables uh, for the receiver that goes into the camera and the straight facing ones could feel very bulky and cumbersome and your hand would start to hit it while you're up against the camera or you're trying to do something and the angled ones make it more out of the way and less cumbersome when you're reaching for stuff around your camera specifically when you're on a mirrorless camera setup very last thing you want to do is like be bumping up against the receiver um, and that really helps to alleviate it so yet again very small but very well welcomed. Now, definitely said some things I didn't like, some things I do like. One of the massive things that I do not like about this unit is the aesthetics of the transmitters. The translucent, glossy look, I, I don't really know how well it's going to hold up, and I don't really think it creates a very stealth vibe. Even more so on top of that, I question the integrity of the material. And there's a reason for that. I took a screenshot of one of the guys that was talking about it last night. And um, in one of the videos I was watching was Jevin Dovey's like full beginner's guide to this thing. And on the he has one specific shot in the transmitter sections where you can see that it looks like the transmitter was beaten up pretty badly, like translucent part was kind of pushed in and like very much so scratched. And whether that was from like a big impact or a small impact, I, I you know, I question the integrity of it because it's more translucent, more see-through, and I don't like the aesthetic. And on top of that, it just looks like it's going to be not thick material. One of the things I really loved about the original DJI mics was the outside material and how it was made, how it felt, and how it looked. You know, to be very blunt... I was kind of hoping that when they announced the white white transmitter that there would be a full white combo with a with a white case with a white transmitters with a white receivers and you know that that was like me keeping my fingers crossed but it looks like they're only selling those as solo units so you have to buy them separate I I think that the addition of a fully white version where we could have at least an option of a solid color or even a black solid color would would definitely help um, because there is literally a whole aesthetic thanks to youtubers of wearing the lav mic on the outside of your clothes when the original dji mics came out People were on the fly, on the go, and either they'd hold it and talk into it, and you knew exactly what you were looking at, or they just magnet it to the shirt, and they have the lights on, and that was, you know, a, like, whole, I guess, quote-unquote aesthetic or vibe, as, as the Gen Zs say. I'm pretty sure that's, that's terminology that the Gen Zs use, but with that being said, the LEDs have been moved to the side, which is nice. 
But I feel like leaving it on the front with the option to turn off the LEDs through the receiver should have been a thing because I kind of like the aesthetic of the mic out on the front with the LEDs lit up. However, if someone didn't like that, they should have the option through the receiver or through an app to turn off the LEDs in the front. And that I'm sure that can still be added through some kind of firmware update, which I would hope to see in the future. So that way you can just kind of turn it off if you don't need to know and you have like a trust factor with it or you set it to to record and you don't need to have that light lit up the whole time or the light lit up to know that it's on. I think that that would be very much so welcomed. And also that that gives you the choice to really lean into the whole I'm wearing a lav mic on the outside of my shirt look or lean into I'm wearing it, but I don't necessarily want it to be seen. So I turn off the LEDs to keep it more stealthy. Right. I, I think DJI should definitely add that. But this is this is the big one. Right. It's last, but it's not least. And it's it's 32 bit float recording. So content creators took a while to hop on the 32 bit recording field, but uh, it's pretty much a bit depth that's capable of recording a wider range of frequencies that is actually found on Earth. And that's great. But though. 32-bit itself is unclippable. It all depends on how it's implemented to know how unclippable a product is. And that means what kind of mics are we using because the specific mics are going to pick up a certain amount of decibels along with a very specific range of frequencies. We have that factor. And then we also have the preamps. If the preamps aren't set to take in high decibels, and this is assuming that your mic can, then the preamps aren't going to be able to handle the load and then it will clip. And yet again, it's all due to the implementation and how they implement the 32-bit float through technology. And me personally, the Zoom F2 came out a while ago and the moment it came out, I immediately hopped on it. There is no way with the Zoom F2 to hook directly into your camera like these, which is why I've been eyeing up a system like this and waiting for 32-bit float to come out because I felt like anything else would be a waste of my money. I do a lot of run and gun. Now, that's not to say 32-bit is the end-all be-all because there are a lot of people that do professional audio work that have their full professional audio bags built around 24-bit. They can use limiters and auto gains and gain reducers. Those are all very great techniques, but for someone who is running gun content creation, 32-bit float is going to be the thing to have because if you're in a loud environment and things get very loud out of nowhere and you have it set to auto gain on a 24-bit recorder, it will adjust based upon that. However, equally, when you go into a silent area, it's going to bring that gain up. And working with something that's been recorded in auto gain and post is not fun to work with. Obviously with 24-bit, um, the Tascam DR10L can record a backup track of either negative 6 dB or negative 12, whichever you assign it. That's great, but then you start in introducing the noise floor. So on that more quiet track, you're gonna have a lot more self-noise. And that's, that's one of the things that like 32-bit float is really good at is that in post, if you have something very quiet, you can bring up that noise because yet again, we have a lot of technologies 
to help reduce sounds as they come in so they don't clip. But the self-noise on a unit is always going to be recorded. And bringing up the gain is then going to introduce that noise. And it can be very distracting. That's where 32-bit float comes in is like virtually there is no noise floor. And yet again, this is contingent upon the microphone being used and the preamps. So it's all all depends on how it's implemented. I think personally, if you don't have some kind of 32-bit float recorder, that this would be a very viable option. However, with all its nice features and 32-bit float, I think you should really take a step back because if you have the DJI Mic 1s and you already have a workflow that's built around it and it's already refined and you don't necessarily need to upgrade because the DJI Mic 1s are still an incredible piece of technology, I don't think you should necessarily. It is just if you need it in situations and you've caught yourself in situations where audio clips and there's nothing that you can do about it, or you have to bring volume up and that noise floor becomes noticeable, then absolutely get 32-bit float. If you're working in more controlled environments where you're just doing talking head or you're doing vlog stuff where you're out and about and you're still relatively controlled with audio, you absolutely don't need to upgrade. And that's something to take into consideration because, you know, yet again, all these things are nice and it is nice to upgrade the gear if you have the luxury to do it. But if you already have a workflow, your workflow works well, do not upgrade because there's no point just to get the most shiny new thing. And personally, I like the aesthetics of the original DJI mic more so than the two that the translucent is like a cool idea, but thinking practical use and the way it looks, it's not great. And this brings me to influencers, right? Influencers specifically were once a trusted go-to source for actual reviews. They were literally like the Redditors of video because they gave you an unsponsored, unbiased opinion. And they would show you the shortcomings of products and show you either how to deal with them and say that it's not that big of a deal or if it's a major deal breaker. And there was a product that was like very, well, like people were like, oh, I want to buy this. And they reviewed it. And they noticed it wasn't that great. They give you alternative products to go to. And it was a very even keel, fair marketing. And what they were doing was just giving us knowledge, support, and answers that we were looking for for free. And they were able to monetize that through Google AdSense on YouTube. And then what happened is big companies figured out that people knew, liked, and trusted these people. They started offering them money on sponsorships for specific videos. And that money was a great way for support of the community, but with it brought some greed. And that greed started with people giving reviews and specifically starting a career for YouTube to do reviews on products in the idea that they were going to get sponsored by these individuals so they could then bring in money and create a full business model around it. And they stopped talking about the negatives. And all they did was highlight the features that were absolutely amazing on these things and didn't actually talk about practical use because I myself have 
fallen victim to this. And I've been a professional salesperson for over a decade. I definitely started to feel like around 2018 to 2019, products were being more so peddled and sold as opposed to actually being reviewed. And I can tell you right now that within my journey of videography, that I have fallen victim to buying gear from reviewers, whether they're big names or smaller names. My my strategy that was supposed to be foolproof back then was like, I'm going to listen to the big review channels and I'm going to find some of the smaller guys so that way I can solidify my decision. And I did that. And problem is a lot of those smaller channels aren't around anymore because they literally just built a career off reviewing these things and then just said what the manufacturers wanted because they were sponsored videos. And I just wanted an honest overview. And they completely like tell you about these amazing features that may or may not be practical or usable. And um, I have a box of gear from like three, four years ago that I made mistakes with. What I do is when I look at a product like the DJI Mic 2, I take a look at all my gear and I ask myself three really three questions. Do I really need this? Will this truly add to my workflow? And can I justify paying for this? Uh, and if I can answer yes to these questions, I'll usually wait 20 to 30 days before making the decision. What From what I can see with influencers right now, I noticed comments specifically on all these reviews that stated, nice video, but I'm going to wait three to six months for the real reviews to come out. I get that. So I took the liberty of going through all these reviews so I can kind of bring it to you from my point of view. And I can say that the two best reviews first up is going to be Terry Warfield, um, who compared the mic one to the mic two, and then talked about all the features. He really kind of like led the way for a lot of those features that I talked about. There was some selling going on within that review. I mean, Terry worked in the world of mortgages. So of course he, he's a salesman. Um, but I don't think he's purposefully selling within this review because Terry loves gear. He's a tech junkie. Of course, he's going to love it because it has all these new features. And he had been waiting to talk about it for a month. Now, the next up is Potato Jet. Um, this man's been around for a very long time on YouTube. He always talks about gear, always has a blast while doing it. It's always fun to watch his reviews. He took the time to do an actual review doing actual real life practical use tests. And one of those tests was a four hour recording to see if it loses sync. And over the course of about four hours, there is a, it, it breaks out sync probably by about four or five frames. You can definitely hear it by the end of the review when he like put it into the video. They purposely leave it there so you can see that it wasn't, you know, in sync. And even more so, um, he was honest about the noise canceling. He literally said it, it sounds too robotic. I don't like using it. Probably not going to use that feature. Completely agree with that. Think noise reduction should be done in post. That's going to give you the best option to save the audio and not sound it robotic with still taking out some of that stuff. The next thing I didn't expect is he started to record through Bluetooth via iPhone. And he, midway through, he literally stopped right there and then and cut to a different section. He was like, hey, recording, you know, Potato Jet, and we're talking about the DJI mic too. I definitely notice a quality drop when I connect through Bluetooth to the iPhone that isn't found on the Pocket 3 or the Osmo Action 4, right? But there's a noticeable quality drop when I connect it to the iPhone, so be aware of that. And that is 
you know, very upfront, blunt, and honest reviews. I know that he was a fan of the Rhodes, and he had been using the Rode Wireless Pro all the way up till this came out. And I'm going to be interested to see future videos to see whether or not he's going to be using the DJI Mic 2. I think DJI Mic 2 definitely has a more user-friendly interface. That jog wheel is a game changer. I think that a lot of the other features were matched up neck and neck with the Rode Wireless, obviously. There's no time code. Um, I know Rode Wireless says that they have time code operations within it, which is like great. Um, however, if you break connection and it goes out of sync, might be issues with that. But I can tell you right now that for everyone else, I, I watched a ton of reviews and it felt like they were pushing the product and they were pushing it pretty hard. I get it's a sponsored video and they want DJI to keep sending them things. And with YouTube dropping payment to creators with this most recent bug of like invalid traffic, sponsorship is how they're going to make their money, unfortunately, now more than ever, because there's less advertisements going on point blank because the economy isn't like in that great of a place. But what I do wish for is like Parker Wahlbeck style of reviews for those to come back. And in essence, someone who's paid and taken care of already, they're going to tell you point blank whether or not to buy it or not to buy it. And um, Parker Wahlbeck was notorious for doing that between gimbal reviews like the RS3 came out. And I think he said, if you already have an RS2, none of the features are really big enough to upgrade. So if you have an RS2, don't don't buy the RS3. And I listened to that advice. I, I trust and like Parker Wahlbeck. When the iPhone 14 Pro came out, he immediately like, cracked all over the camera and said that it was not much of an upgrade and Apple really just leaned into marketing. If you have a 13 Pro, do not upgrade for a 14 Pro for the camera. Those kind of reviews do not come around too often. A lot of people are sponsored. A lot of people make their money off these things. And I get that. Parker Wallback had the luxury of mainly being sponsored by Squarespace. And I know he was like a Canon ambassador and he made money from shooting commercials for like Hyundai and various other things plus the residuals of full-time filmmaker that set him pretty well, plus all the money from AdSense. So when it came to a manufacturer pressing or leaning on him, he didn't really have that. And yet again, Parker Wallback has stepped away. It's kind of like hoping that Lannon, by the way, will kind of carry the torch in that sense. Always looked up to Lannon. So hoping that those kind of gear reviews will definitely come back. And if you are watching gear reviews, I'd say, Please, please, please be mindful that when you're watching these reviews, that these influencers, in essence, are getting paid from selling products with their affiliate links and doing sponsored videos, and they want you to buy the product, so that way they have more leverage with the manufacturer. Be mindful when you're watching that and really ask yourself while you're, while you're watching these reviews if each feature is actually going to help and be practical because there was a period of time when every gimbal started to do the 360 spin that was found in the movie Inception and everyone thought that they needed it and no one actually needed it, but it was a big feature being peddled and decisions uh, for my friends were literally made off. Does this have like the vortex spin that no one ever used and no one ever thinks about? So saying don't repeat my mistakes um, and don't repeat my friends' mistakes of getting fooled by influencers and you know spend money on products that you don't really need to, right? If, if you're doing like a gear upgrade, you need audio, you need good audio. 
and then you need to figure out what kind of audio you're doing. Lav mics are incredibly versatile because they can be used in just about any capacity, whether it's talking head, whether it's vlogging, whether it's movement, whether it's corporate. You know, if you're doing corporate or talking heads, it should be more of a redundancy thing. And then you should obviously have a boom mic over top to be the main focus or have something like a dynamic microphone within the front based upon what kind of aesthetic or style you're going for. You know, yet again, be mindful of like what you're buying, what you're using and like where you are within your video journey. Because I'd say if you're just starting off, go with a system like the DJI Mic 2 before you get a dynamic mic, before you get a boom mic. So that way it can be used in various different scenarios and you have like a full wide gamut of use and you're not limited to one thing because once you buy a boom mic, you're only going to be using that thing as a boom mic or a shotgun mic on top of the camera. If you're running gunning and filming someone that's walking away from the camera, you're not going to pick up that audio. And that's why I think like the majority of content creators are probably going to want this system. And I think it's between this and the Rode Wireless Pro. I'd say between the two, definitely go with this. I'm not sponsored. I don't have any affiliate links. Um, I just know DJI to make incredibly good products. However, I will say that the locking mic TSR jack is one of the most important things that you can have in a professional corporate workflow. So if that's absolutely required, go with the Rode Wireless Pro. But, you know, yet again, you do have that little clamp on the back. If you have the DJI Mic 1 and you already have a workflow around it, you don't need this. If you have the Rode Wireless Pro, there is no reason to switch over to this system as they are neck and neck with everything. And the Rode Wireless Pro also has the TC inside of it. If you make a living from content creation and uh, you will be in situations where things might get loud out of nowhere and you don't have a 32-bit float system, then yes. If you're a younger creator or filmmaker doing talking heads, doing vlogging style content, and you already have a mic, no, don't don't get this thing. That's that's only unless you don't have a mic set up. Um, but if you already do have a mic set up, you should be set. If you've bought anything within the past three years, you should be good to go. You don't you don't need to go to it just because it's 32-bit float if you already have workflows and redundancies put in place in order to combat that. So just be mindful of that. And with that, uh, be mindful of all gear reviews and always like yet again, ask yourself if this, if this feature is really going to be practical for you. So be mindful when watching any gear reviews and don't make the same mistakes I made. With that being said, uh, thanks for tuning in. That's it for this coffee break.